Sisters and brothers, we gather in the welcome of God's love in whom we are rooted and grounded and have our being. We gather in the name of the one who creates and preserves our lives, God. Amen. Let us pray. God of all peoples, your arms reach out to embrace all who call upon you. Teach us your wisdom so that we will love the world with compassion and constancy. Cause your word to bring forth new life in us. Enliven us with expectant hope and energy that we may break forth in blossom and stalk full of the promise of fruit and grain. Amen. A reading from John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. Here ends the lesson. Megan Johnston Aliboni a CLU founder's dream come true. In 2001, after graduating summa cum laude from Cal Lutheran with a double major in religion and English, she began her studies at Chicago's Lutheran School of Theology in Hyde Park, where in 2006, she completed a Master of Divinity degree with a biblical studies emphasis. Megan's seminary program had included a year at the University of Munich, where she studied Protestant theology and lived in an ecumenical international student house, a six-week internship in two Lutheran congregations in rural southern Germany, a three-year Lutheran World Federation training program, and another parish internship in a Chicago South Side multicultural Lutheran congregation and school. Megan met her husband, Gabby, an Arab-Israeli Christian from Galilee, during her first year of seminary. They were married five years later on her graduation weekend. At the graduation ceremony, it was announced that Megan had been awarded the seminary's Krentz Prize for a paper entitled Marriage and Sex, What is Good and What is Better. It was also announced that Megan could not accept the award in person because she was busy getting married. Pastor Megan began serving as a pastor at a Lutheran church in Elk Grove, Illinois. She was ordained in June of 2007. In 2010, Megan and her husband, also an ELCA pastor, accepted a joint call to ministry at Trinity Lutheran in Fort Collins, Colorado. They're now preparing to lead their second congregation trip to Israel and Palestine. Megan's most recent callings are manifestations of her superb abilities and reputation. She returned to Germany in 2010 as a delegate to the Lutheran World Federation Assembly in Stuttgart. This past summer, she was the closing preacher for the Association of Lutheran Church Musicians Annual Conference. And in addition to her current service, 
on the board of directors for Sky Ranch Lutheran Camp in Colorado. She is now a CLU convocator. As you'll see in your program notes, Megan has continued to develop her already extraordinarily good writing skills. She loves to write and to preach and to teach, although she says at the moment her primary vocation is parenting. She and Gabby have a son, Ethan, almost five, and a daughter, Natalie, 21 months. Megan speculates about writing a parenting memoir called Adventures in Accidental Cheesemaking that will offer instructions for how long to leave a sippy cup of milk under the couch in order for it to arrive at the consistency and pungency of a perfect cheese. <laughs> I have no doubt that this will be a bestseller. Please join me in welcoming Pastor Megan. Good morning. Thank you so much, Dr. Wines, for that gracious introduction. Um, taking the jumble of incoherent thoughts I sent you by email and turning them into something well edited, just like you did with my creative writing when I was at CLU. Thank you to Arnie Berglund and all those involved in organizing the Convocation and Founders Day event. What an incredible time to celebrate the university, and I am so honored and so humbled to be a part of it as a convocator and as the speaker this morning. Uh, I remembered that in my junior year at CLU, Dr. Wines, when I was an English department DA, introduced me to an opportunity to attend a Religious Communicators Council conference in Chicago, and I went and met the people at the ELCA churchwide office who run the summer internship program. And through that connection, I was able to become an intern at the Lutheran Magazine and to fall in love with the city of Chicago. So my senior year at CLU, when I applied to seminaries, I applied to and ended up attending the seminary in Chicago. And on the first day of seminary, I met my husband. And we started dating in a community much smaller than this one, which could give you some indication of the kind of risk we were taking. Because if it didn't work out, we would have to do that thing where you see each other walking across campus, and you, you have to decide whether to look them in the eye or to look down on the ground, but then it happens for like seven minutes. <laughs> but in our case, it worked out. We were married and now we serve together as pastors and we have two precious and exhausting children. And thank you, Joan, for that. I tell that story because I think it is an indicator of what it means to be a part of a community like California Lutheran University and how the communities we are a part of shape who we are and our lives through the connections that we have. That's one of my stories. I imagine many of you have your own. Connections to people, to experiences and opportunities, one leading to the next, and that is how a life grows. Kind of like a vine and branches. And the vine and the branches is our text for today. I am the vine, you are the branches. One of the things I believe that is is a story about vocation and calling, identity, how what we have as roots, the communities in which we are rooted lead to the growth of who we become in our calling and our lives. And so I want to call this time together the vine and the branches. But then since we're talking specifically about California Lutheran University as a community, perhaps we ought to call it the Louvine and the branches. 
So the Louvine and the branches, community roots and vocational fruits, what does it mean to be a part of a community that shapes our calling and our purpose? I want to tell you what I believe about vocation, because I was once taught that when you preach or proclaim something, you ought to stick to what you most deeply believe and never try to proclaim what you only sort of kind of half-heartedly believe. And what I believe is this. Every person has a vocation. Every person has a calling, a purpose. No one is extra. No one is superfluous. Every person has a reason for being. Every person has a root and branches. And this word vocation is something I know is all around this place. Since I've left and come back, it seems to be the watchword at Cal Lutheran. Has everyone heard this word, vocation? At least once or twice or 37,569 times. And if it sounds like I'm speaking from the CLU brochure, it's not just that I took it from the CLU brochure. (laughs) It's that this community helped shape me and who I became, and my vocation, and what I came to most deeply believe. And so, what kind of community shapes that vocation? What does it mean to be the vine and the branches? We are a community rooted in the idea, as Frederick Buechner, who's not Lutheran, by the way, but still a good theologian, said... That our vocation, our calling and purpose is where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. That vocation is a meeting place about who we are, how we're rooted, and how we grow based on what the world needs. But as I think about it, I think of another theologian, a friend of mine, Elizabeth Rawlings, who has a blog called Feet In arms out. And what I think it means to be rooted in the vine and to grow outward in vocation is to be feet in, arms out. That what our feet are rooted and grounded in leads to the growth outward and not just in our work. Listen, friends, I have heard some incredible things, and I know them, about how CLU prepares people for their work, for their careers, and in surprising ways sometimes. We have been having conversations just in the last day or so about how CLU prepares students for careers and for work, and not always the ones they thought they were going to have but gives them a rounded education that prepares us for all kinds of different work. But vocation is not just our work. It's not just our job. It's not just how we spend the hours for which we receive our livelihood. It is about our whole lives. It is about what it means to be fully human. It is a calling we have in our relationships, in our friendships, in our engagement with our civic community as citizens. It is in every person we meet, wherever we go. And so, as Frederick Buechner said, it's about place. And not just one place, but every place into which we are called. Because the other thing I believe deeply about our vocation is that no matter what it is, in the arts, in the sciences, in technology, in social sciences, in medicine, our vocations are about making the difference to the world that we are called to make. And they are holy and important and precious. Now, the vines and branches of my life started in uh, Northern California, where I went to middle school and high school. And when I chose, surrounded by those grapevines, to come to Cal Lutheran, it was to become a part of a community like this, for all the reasons that I learned as a presidential host. Right? The small classes, the interaction with professors, the kind of community where, as it said on a blog article, 22 signs you went to a private liberal arts college, you're friends with the president. 
or you've had a class with fewer than six people in it. Um, and also I chose this community because it had a Lutheran identity. And not for the reasons you might think. Yes, I was raised Lutheran by my mother, but most of my family is completely non-religious. And I needed a community where I could engage and be rooted in the kind of struggles and doubts and questions I had about my own faith. Ask any religion professor who was here when I was here how many hours they put up with me in their office, moaning and struggling and questioning. And I needed a place I could do that, but also where the whole idea of faith was not dismissed and rejected as a meaningless and worthless superstition in the world. Where it was recognized that no matter what faith tradition we come from, to ask those questions and have those conversations about what faith means is a part of being human. And the communities I'm in today, I still have those conversations with uh, my friend Mina, who is a Hindu biologist at CSU, and my friend Shoshana, who is a rabbi in our uh, local community, and we talk about ways of knowing God. I also, during my time at CLU, as I was able to be in that place of developing faith in the midst of critical, honest inquiry, and study, discovered some other things about myself, and they were not so easy. And this is the other thing about what it means to be a part of a community like this. Number one on the list of 22 signs of a private liberal arts college was this. See if this sounds familiar. Everyone was over-involved to the point of not really being effective, and yet somehow strangely proud of it. That was me. That's still me. (laughs) Researcher Brene Brown at the University of Houston talks about the fact that community is about connectedness, and connectedness ultimately is about vulnerability. It is about having the courage to tell your whole story with your whole heart, and it is the last thing most of us want to do because it means revealing our insecurities and our flaws and our imperfections. And I have a good friend from Cal Lutheran who went to seminary with me and who will preach for you on Sunday at the homecoming service, Mike Zurich. And we once had a conversation where he said, Meg, I love you. I care about you. I'm worried about you. You're a perfectionist. And I worry about what will happen when someday something you do doesn't meet the standards and expectations you had for yourself. And I said, oh, Mike, don't worry. It's so much worse than you think. (laughs) Because being a perfectionist means that nothing you do ever reaches the standards that you set for yourself. Brene Brown says that the key to connection and community is being willing to let go of who you think you should be in order to be who you really are. And as a community rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am the vine, you are the branches, we are rooted in a tradition that says that we have an identity that is deeper and more true than what we do, than our degree, than our job, our career, our position, our title. It is deeper than our Facebook self, where we cobble together all of the greatest things about ourselves, our most flattering pictures, the things that make us seem cool. Our deepest identity includes our imperfections. It is who we really are. And it says that we have a worth and a value that is rooted in the fact that we are beloved of God for being who we are, who we really are, exactly who we are. And when we talk about vocation, we are not talking about becoming who we think we should be or who we think the world says we should be. It is not a movement from imperfection to perfection. It is a movement from perfection to reality. The night before I started Cal Lutheran, I told my mom, this is the most perfect college is ever going to get because tomorrow I'm moving in. 
which says something about me, too. But the reality of communities is that we are vulnerable together and we are accepted and find value in being who we are. And that happened to me, not only in classes and in those conversations in the CAF or at Denny's, but when one of my English professors found out that I'd broken up with my boyfriend, how he found out, I don't know, I am the Louvine, you are the branches, <laughs> and he posted a folder of poetry on my door so that I could have some poetry to help me through my breakup. In our vulnerability, we are fully human. In our vulnerability, we find community. We find our true voice. We learn how to be who we really are. That is what this community is about, shaping us as people for the world so that our feet are in and our hands are out. When we moved to Colorado three years ago, we found that people who um, grew up in Colorado, or at least got there before you, like to tell you things about Colorado that make them sound very wise. And so we learned about aspen trees when we first got there. The beautiful aspen trees that look like all these individual trees, um, just, you know, rooted, growing, right? But all different, but they're not. Because underneath the aspen trees, all of the roots are connected. These are not individual trees. They're part of these things called clonal colonies. All of these things that look like individual trees are just sprouts, or they call them root suckers. And they're all connected together underground, which means that these clonal colonies can live for thousands of years. There's one in Utah they think is 80,000 years old. Forest fires don't destroy them because they're deeply rooted under the ground. And yes, some of those individual suckers die off, and then new ones grow, and they're all connected. Does this sound like anything you know? This is like a community like California Lutheran University. We have founders and alums and students and people yet to come here. We are connected in this incredibly complicated and sometimes messy way underneath. We have people who come and stay, people who go out into the world. And we read in the alumni magazines about all of the places people go and they form new partnerships and have new babies who all get with onesies that say, like, class of 2087. <laughs> and and we, we move into all these different vocations and we die. And yet, and yet, no matter what you believe about what happens in death, we remain connected to the vine and to each other. Now, a Lutheran pastor in Colorado whose reputation is actually far more prestigious than mine is Pastor Nadia Boltzweber. She's a colleague, and she's pastor at House for All Sinners and Saints. And I have heard Nadia say, when she talks about what community is in Denver for a lot of young adults uh, who don't belong to traditional congregations, is she says when new members join, listen, I'm just going to tell you something. At some point, I am going to disappoint you. I am going to fail to live up to your expectations, or you're going to fail each other. Something is going to happen that is breaking of your expectations and your hopes and your dreams for the wonderful community you're entering. And what are you going to do? I'm asking you now. Will you disengage and disconnect and walk away, she says, or will you commit to staying connected? Because in every human community there is this sin and brokenness, but if you walk away and disconnect, you will miss the whole point of community. Not what happens when we are all getting along on the first day of freshman orientation, but what happens when we are sick of each other and when we have to find reconciliation and forgiveness and our common root that tells us why we're even here and why we're even part of the same community in the first place. Bonhoeffer says that is the beginning of Christian community. And when it happens, it's powerful. We are deeply rooted here, 
And we are in conversation, all of us, about how CLU will move out, will bear fruits in the world as it already does. You know that yellow and purple CLU alumni flag that people take all over? A group of us are taking that in a week to go to Jordan, Israel, and the West Bank. And I want to tell you about the vine and branches of that place, the Holy Land. This is an olive tree in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because even though you may not have any connection to that place, you, you do. Um, in the town of Bethlehem, in the birthplace of Christianity, where the Palestinian people who live there live in a very difficult situation, there is a new Lutheran college, the first Lutheran college in the Middle East, uh, a sister college to us in a way through our connections with the Lutheran World Federation, Dar al-Kalima College. It means house of the word in Arabic. And we got to take a tour in 2009 of the college under construction. That's the outside of the building. And here's the, oops. Doesn't it look so much like CLU? It's amazing. The outside and the inside of the building. And we got a tour from one of the professors, Dr. Khoury, who talked about how they formed on purpose with a mission, identity, and vocation as a liberal arts college and why they did it. She said, you know, our students, our best and brightest students, they go and they become doctors or lawyers or engineers, and that's wonderful. But they don't do it because they're really rooted in it, because it's their real calling or vocation. They do it because they live in a desperate situation, and they're trying to improve their own chances and that of their families. So we built a college for the arts. Because our students, when they come to study documentary filmmaking or music performance or tourism, get a chance to encounter and experience beauty. And she said, in the situation we live in, if our students don't encounter beauty, they will not have hope. And if they do not have hope, then they will give in to despair. And if they give in to despair and believe that they are worthless and do not have a purpose that matters, then our community will break apart and we will be lost. And so they come together and they study this broad range of interests that prepare them just like CLU prepares our students to be deeply rooted, to be feet in arms out, to be rooted in the freedom of knowing our true identity and reach out to the world. And that brings me back here. I am the vine, you are the branches. Feet in, arms out. This statue that sits in what I guess might still be kind of the heart of campus which is now painted a beautiful gold color so that the uncanny resemblance to Martin Luther is completely clear. <laughs> you don't see it? <laughs> Whoever you are, whatever your connection to this place, whatever you believe about yourself, Know this, you are a person of worth and value rooted in a community that is imperfect and messy and beautiful and beloved. And as you are rooted, may your lives branch out and bear fruit in this community and in communities all over the world. May it be so. Amen.
Each year, the Convocators select a Christus Award recipient who, because of their love for the Church and for California Lutheran University, has naturally sought to strengthen the partnership between the two and has made significant contributions towards that end. Every university is touched, transformed, made and remade by special individuals who have an enormous impact. And it is hard to imagine two people who could have had a greater impact on this university than Jim and Sue Swenson. You can, in the back of your bulletin, read a little bit about Jim and Sue. One of the things it says there is through their Swenson Scholar and Summer Research Fellow programs, they have lived out a commitment to make higher education at Cal Lutheran affordable, and that's true. But I don't think it goes far enough. In both of those efforts, they were about transforming this place. They wanted to see more students come here from Orange County, and how better to begin than making it possible for ELCA young women and men to attend this place. And they knew that would lead to more coming, including those from outside the Lutheran tradition. And that has happened. Orange County is a place in which this university is very well represented now in a way that it was not before Jim and Sue stepped forward. The summer research fellowships. Yes, those are great opportunities for students to work with faculty one-on-one -on -one to do significant research and the scholarship of discovery, but it's energized students, faculty, and the campus alike. The sciences are on fire here like they have not been before. And more growth is ahead, and more building is ahead. And Jim and Sue made that possible. You can also read about the buildings that are here. The Swenson Center for the Social and Behavioral Sciences, I know those of you that are alums may regret the demise of some of the chicken coops with the onset of the Swenson Center, but I say thanks be to God and to Jim and Sue for getting us down to one remaining chicken coop. <laughs> and they've supported other building projects, all about transforming this place and making it one where students can come and be enriched educationally. If I can borrow from Pastor Megan, firmly rooted in faith and family and community, the Swensons have stretched out widely to make this a different and greater place. And it was with great joy and honor that we present Jim and Sue Swenson with the Christus Award. Thank you. Pastor Megan, you hit another perfectionist right in the head. <laughs> that is me, a perfectionist. Um, thank you for the executive committee of the Convocators for choosing Susan and I to honor us with this very special and prestigious award. And we just are thrilled to be the honorees. And uh, I guess I'll start by saying, so many times people will say to us, why do you people do what you do? Well, we both were raised in Christian Lutheran 
I was actually Evangelical Covenant Church in Superior. My great-grandfather Hansen came from Sweden and was a founder and a carpenter who built the sanctuary and the parsonage. Um, so even though my mother was a Lebanese girl, Greek Orthodox, who eventually became Catholic, she had no voice in the way us five boys were raised. <laughs> because great-grandma Hansen was still alive, Grandma Swenson was alive and my father was alive. And so on Founder Sunday at that church, all five of us little boys were dragged up in front of the congregation. Here's the only fourth living generation of this congregation. So we were honored. During the years at Covenant, I learned a little song about three years old, and I won't sing it for you, but the only Swedish I know. Um, and I've sang it to my grandchildren and my children as they were growing up. But um, another fellow that was a classmate of mine through junior high and high school, we were the permanent ushers, the greeters, and on a wintry day when an elderly lady came in, the sanctuary was above, it was one of those basements that was pretty high out of the ground, and we were to go down the stairs, offer our arm, greet them in Swedish, and then escort them into the sanctuary with the program and seat them. The pastor also used us, too, for collecting the collections and assisting with communion. And we were year-round at this job. Nobody else ever did it for years. So I had a very strong upbringing in that church. Um, and when Sue and I started dating, I thought, my goodness, Concordia Lutheran Church was this humongous, beautiful sanctuary. And our little wooden church was so different. And so when we got married, we got married in, in the Concordia Lutheran Church. The other thing that really motivated us was just in 1955 when I was ready to go to college in Superior, um, I had a occurrence to go up and, uh, to the First National Bank and I met the president of the bank who was third generation. And he said, if I ever needed financial help to come back and see him, getting through college. Well, I made it all the way to my senior year. I, I had transferred to UMD. I was an out-of-state student paying a whopping $200 a quarter, where my first year as a first-year chem uh, chemistry major in Superior was $37.50 a semester. And that included your textbooks. Now, these textbooks came from the library basement. Some of them didn't have hardcovers anymore. Some of them were highlighted. Many of them had dog-eared pages, but the professors taught the class out of those beat-up books. And we got a good chemistry degree in spite of everything. But, but this Bob Banks, who was the president, I did need his help in the middle of my senior year at UMD. Uh, I had to come up with $900 to pay my aunt, who I was renting a room from, because she needed the cash. And so I remember what Mr. Banks had said to me. So I went back superior to the bank, and he came back into his office and handed me nine $100 bills, and he said, this is a loan from me to you. The bank has nothing to do with this. And you will pay it back when you have a job. But he said, also, someday it'll be your responsibility to play it forward and help others. And I later served on the foundation board for the University of Minnesota, and he was still on it and alive. And I took him to lunch and I said, Bob, you planted the seed. And he, no, 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 no. I'm not responsible. I said, oh, yes, you are. And his comment was, I didn't think you and Susan were going to do so much. <laughs> so that's why we do what we do. But I want, want to reiterate what, what Chris Kimball said, in that five years ago we started this undergraduate summer research. I had been involved in it at two other universities back east, but we started with these young people getting a stipend of about $4,000 a year to spend 10 weeks with a faculty member on a research project. And the results are astonishing. They're just unbelievable. I have to tell you, a year ago, 
Um, at the same time, yesterday we met with the recipients that had the research projects this summer. But a couple of years ago, we, I sat at a table with a bunch of young ladies who had been summer research recipients, and one girl said, I'm going to go to medical school. And she said, I interviewed three of them. And when I told these, these interviewing doctors what I had done at Cal Lou in a biology research project during the summer, they were astounded. And she paused and she smiled at me and she said, Mr. Swenson, I not only got an offer from one medical school, I got offers from all three. And I said to myself, I think my heart was popping right out of my chest. Boy, that was the best five grand we ever spent in our lives. But the story is told over and over and over again. It has just risen the, the bar for this university on what these students are coming away with. They are welcomed into medical schools. They are welcomed into grad schools. And a couple of years ago, Dr. LeBlanc opened an office here of the undergraduate summer research. And 120 students came in and said, how do I get one of these? I wish I could pay for all 120, but I can't. So I, I keep begging the, the regents to help. <laughs> but that's our story. Um, we're just so grateful that the Lord provided us with what we have to give back and what we're doing with it. So thank you. Thank you. And God bless this university. Wow. The following individuals have been ratified by the Convocation of California Lutheran University to the Board of Regents. Will Linda Baumhefner, Suzanne Chadwick, Bishop Mark Homerud, Malcolm McNeil, and Dennis Robbins come forward and stand facing the altar. Also serving as ex-officio members of the Regents are Andre Aduayan, the ASCLU president, John Laracy, the alumni representative, Dr. Julia Fogg, the faculty representative, and Jason Polimski, the chair of the Graduate and Professional Student Council. Will you also come forward? And then uh, these Regents who have been re-elected are Wally Broha, John Irwin, Jill Letterer, Sasan Nakomish, Karen Olson, Jim Overton, Mark Stegemuller, Dennis Erickson, and Randall Foster. Will you please come forward and join your colleagues? I'm going to ask everyone a favor. There are going to be some requests for collective responses from the regents, from the convocators, from you, our guests here in the audience. I would ask for vigor in those responses and enthusiasm. <laughs> Regents, you have been elected to positions of leadership and trust on the Board of Regents of California Lutheran University. As Regents, you are to see that the mission of this university is upheld. You are to provide vision, direction, and oversight to the university's work especially in the areas of academic and student affairs, administration and finance, enrollment management and marketing, and advancement. As regents, you are to serve as spheres of influence for the university. I therefore ask you, on behalf of California Lutheran University, are you ready to accept and faithfully carry out the responsibilities assigned to the Board of Regents in support of the mission of this university. 
If so, answer together with volume, yes, by the help of God. Yes, by the help of God. Best yet. Excellent. As a reward, I now ask you to turn and face the audience. To all of you gathered here representing the Cal Lutheran community, I ask you, will you support these elected leaders with encouragement and thoughtfulness, care and respect? If so, answer yes by the help of God. Yes, by the help of God. Wonderful. I now declare you installed as members of the Board of Regents of California Lutheran University. May God bless you with power and guidance that you may prove faithful servants and stewards of the university. Thank you. I would now ask that the Convocators of California Lutheran University please stand at your places. Today, we celebrate your ministry and send you out to your communities with God's blessings and prayerful support. You have been chosen to serve as Convocators of California Lutheran University, and as Convocators, your mission is to serve as a link between the university, the church, and the community and to preserve, promote, and support this university. In light of that important role of Convocator, and on behalf of CLU, I ask you, will you, to the best of your ability, fulfill the role of Convocator of California Lutheran University, praying for and supporting the mission of the university, and serving as an ambassador between the university, church, and community? If so, Please answer by saying, yes, by the help of God. Yes, by the help of God. Thank you. And to all of you gathered here representing the CLU community, I ask you, will you support and pray for these convocators in their work? If so, answer, yes, by the help of God. Yes, by the help of God. May God bless you with the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit that you may prove faithful servants and stewards of the university. I invite the convocators and the regents to stand together and let us pray. A gracious God, we thank you for all those who serve on the Board of Regents and as Convocators of California Lutheran University. Thank you for their willingness to share gifts of time, talent, and treasure in support of the mission and ministry of this place. Grant to all Regents and Convocators and to all the leaders in this institution wisdom, vision, and joy in their service that California Lutheran University may continue to be a place strong in reason and strong in faith. We ask this in your name. Amen. Would the community please stand? Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God. We come to you with the clutter and chaff of our lives, seeking wholeness. Walk with us into the newness of this autumn month, bestowing your rich harvest of abundance upon us, a harvest of strength and courage. Give us news that is good and eternal amidst the ravages of this world. Hear our prayer, O God. Your grace is ever present. Gracious and holy one, we are grateful for the men and women who planted this university in the soil of this land, for their vision to imagine a university that would prepare students engaged in the mystery of learning for lives of meaning and purpose, we thank you. For convocators and regents who work to keep us faithful to our mission and attentive to human need, we thank you. 
for the opportunities you give us stretching mind and heart to wrestle with life's deepest questions through faithful faculty, administration, and staff. We thank you. Root our feet and stretch out our arms to make us bold and courageous for the tasks that lie ahead. Hear us, O oh God. Your grace is ever present. We are thankful, nurse of our needs, for moments of mind's clarity, for uncluttered vision, for tones of grace heard within your voice. Stir us to reach out to the stranger, the hungry, the lonely, the frightened, and the terrorized, and to do so with neither hesitation nor reserve. Stir within our world so that humanity would become students learning lessons of peace and working to bring justice into a very complex world. Hear us, O God. Your grace is ever present. Holder of our hearts, you have chosen us to love one another and to bear fruit that will last. We commend this place where we live to your care. Save us from violence, discord, and confusion, from pride and arrogance, and from every evil course of action that may lure us. When times are prosperous, let our hearts be thankful. And in troubled times, do not let our trust in you fail. Give us strength of purpose and concern for others so that we may create a caring community where your will may be done. Hear us, O God. Your grace is ever Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves, our lives, and our prayers. Keep us and sustain us by your powerful grace. Amen. You may be seated. Go forth in peace with the courage of faith. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. I would like to bless you with a priestly benediction. Yevachacha Adonai v'yishmerecha. Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yechunecha. Yisa Adonai panavalecha v'yasim lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord show kindness to you and be gracious to you. May the Lord bestow favor upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.